Welcome everybody, it's a privilege to be back in the Shul Baruch Hashem after a long two-month break. And thank you Hashem that we're, whoever's here, Baruch Hashem, everyone's in good health. And uh, we should continue coming together for, for Simchas and Shiurim and Taira and good things only. Pleasure to welcome my father who's here. Son Yitzi, and uh, of course Dovi and Ari, thank you for taking care of the sushi, and David who's here, thank you also to anybody listening on the podcast, very much appreciated, and tonight is Aleph El, exactly one month, is going to be Rosh Hashanah, tomorrow morning, you ready? We're starting at the Shafer, and we'll be doing it for the whole month. There's so much Shabbos, yeah, yes. right. Mr. Shem, this, this Shabbos we're going to be reading uh, Parsha Shaiftim. And the interesting Pasuk in the Parsha, the Torah says, You cannot build a Mizbeach of one stone. You can gather a bunch of stones together and create a Mizbeach with those stones, but to do it from one stone, you're not allowed to do it. And Rashi asks, he said, we see by Yankov Avinu uh, in Parsha Svayetze, it says that after he has the dream and he goes to sleep, and as we know the story, there were 12 stones, but when he woke up in the morning, it was only one stone. And the Pasuk says, Yankov Avinu takes that one stone and he makes it into a matseva. So why by Yankov Avinu and other places in Chumash Bereshis, we find that the Avis used a matseva. And here, the Parsha tells us, Asher Sonei Hashem Elikecha. So says Rashi, even though in the time of the Avis, this wasn't good, but that's because, even though in the time of Avis, it was accepted to build a matseva with one stone, but today, the Torah says, no longer do it. Why? Because... It was used after the time of the Avais, people used it for Avaidah Zohar. And Rav Hirsch explains that there's a remez over here. The Torah is telling us that before Matan Torah, so you could serve Hashem, you know, take a simple stone, really you don't have to do any, put any work into it. You take a stone that's in the ground, and you make it into a Matzev, you make it into a Mizbech, it's not a problem. Because before Matan Torah, so... Everything was kind of simple. You know, there weren't a lot of mitzvahs. And, you know, you wanted to serve Hashem with whatever's there in nature. The Abishter allowed it. He had no problems with it. But it's only afterwards, when we got the Torah, and the Abishter says to us, Klai Yisrael, that now you have a special type of avodah. It's no longer, you know, easy shmeezy. But now, now you have to do work. You can't just take what's available in nature. But you actually have to build it up yourself. You have to take a bunch of stones and put it together to build a mezbeach. That's an avayda. That's not something that comes naturally. That's not something that's easy. That's what the Rebbeinah Shlomo wants from you. So, if the Pasuk says that one matseva, one evan is sunny, Hashem Alekecha, the Ebeshter hates it, so the opposite is true as well. That when you do a mezbeach as it's meant to be, as the Rebbeinah Shlomo says, you take a bunch of stones and you put them together and you build them into a Mizbeach, that's Asher Oiv Hashem Alekech. The Ebeshter loves it. 
And this is true certainly for this Indian, but it's true also really for any matter of Ruchnius. That the Rebbein Shalalim wants us to create, he wants us to put an effort <coughs> to become close to him. It's not something that comes naturally. Now we mentioned Shosh Chaydesh Elul, and Rav Pam, he points out that many people, Elul comes, so what do they do? They kind of ignore the whole thing. They pretend that it doesn't happen. Instead of utilizing these days to come closer to the Rebbein Shalalim, to do tshuva, so people instead they shut down. Of course they go through the motions, they daven and you know they listen to the shayfer and they say the slichas. But inside, we're waiting for it to end already. You know, we're waiting for everything of this whole el to pass by, Rosh Hashanah to pass by, Yom Kippur, of course. And you know, finally, should be sukkas, van simchaseinu, and simchas You know, everybody's having a good time. And that's a mitzvah that for many people. It's, they have, we have a difficulty connecting with these days. In fact, I was looking at some people's statuses on WhatsApp, and you see some people, they make chayzik from the, uh, the whole thing, you know, like in, in some yeshivas, in the old yeshivas. So the mashkichim used to call out, Elul, Elul, you know, like uh, with a gishrai. So you see people, they make fun of it, you know, they, they pretend to do it as if it's one big fat joke. But the truth is, it's a reality. That that's what... People do, and you know, I know for myself, you know, naturally it's hard to connect to these days. But Cesar of Palm, that's a big mistake, that's not what it's supposed to be. Now, how do we understand why is this a big mistake? What's wrong with it? So the Chavetz Chaim says a Marshall. There's a poor man, he's a peddler. You know, he goes around during the week selling, you know, the few small items that he has, and you know, he mamish makes mamish pennies. And he's away from home for weeks at a time. Finally, it's time to go home at the end of the month, and he can't even afford to go to get, hire his own ride. So he starts walking on the side of the road, you know, hoping that maybe somebody will give him a ride in their carriage. So he's walking there on the side of his road, on the side of the road, and a big, beautiful, fancy carriage stops, and a very well-dressed man opens the window, says, come, come inside, I'll give you a ride. Where are you going? Okay, he says, this little town, okay, I'll take you there. He gets into the wagon, and the fellow who's sitting there, the well-dressed fellow, starts talking to him and asking him questions. You know, he starts answering him, but he's so tired from all the weeks of schlepping, walking up, walking through the towns and up and down the roads, that eventually he just falls asleep. He falls asleep, even though the man's still talking to him and asking him questions. Okay, they, they come to his house, they drop him off, and, you know, the neighbors, they see this fancy carriage. They say to him, what's going on? Like, what happened? So he tells the story. You know, he was walking, and the guy gave him a ride. They said, did you speak to him? He said, actually, he tried speaking to me, but I was too tired. I fell asleep. And they said, oi, do you know who that person was? It was the king himself. The king himself. He was giving you a ride. And he was trying to connect with you and talk to you and ask you questions. And you could have asked him, you know, to help you out with your parnasa. He could have given you, you know, whatever you needed. And what did he do instead? You slept through it. Says the Chavetz Chaim. That's what happens to many of us during Elul. We also, you know, we have the king with us here. And as the Sfarim tells us, HaMelech Basada, the Rebbeinu Shalom is very close to us during this time. During these times, the Rebbeinu Shalom is right here and he's available to us. And he's waiting for us to come close to him. He's trying. All we have to do is try to stay awake. 
But yet we fall asleep. What's the reason for this? So I want to repeat to you what I heard from a really fascinating shir from Rabbi Shai Kohn. Some of you might have heard of him. He's Rashi of Zichanarye in Farakaway. Uh, uh, very well-known mashpia uh, and machanech. And he says, the way he understands it is that, you know, we grow up, and as I, you know, we said before, you know, in the yeshivas, they like to scream, Elul, you know, and, and we hear these stories that, you know, in Europe, so they used to say that even the fish in the rivers, they tremble during Elul. And it's well known that one of the Bali Musa said that Elul is like a big, scary bear. And we all know the quote from the Bishol Salanter, the people were overcome with a terrible fright when Elul came. The problem is, is that when we hear these things, our natural instinct is, I can't connect with that kind of fear. I'm scared of fear. I can't do that. Well, you expect me all of a sudden, overnight, to become a tzaddik? You know, to walk around petrified from Yeres Hashem? It's not something that we can feel a connection to. In past generations, they were able to do it. It came more naturally to them, and the reasons are various reasons. I don't want to get into it. But the bottom line is, today, in our generation, this is not something that we connect to anymore. That fear, and that ema and these stories that we hear, instead of making us come closer, it has the opposite effect. It scares us off. Because a person says, there's no way that I can do this kind of thing. I cannot turn my life around on a dime. Now, the Rebbeinah Shalom knows this. So what does he want from us? What does he want from us at this time then? If we're not going to be like those fish in the river that are, that are uh, shaking. Okay, we can't do that. But what can we do? And we have to do something as we see here in the parasha. The Rebbeinah Shalelam wants us to do, try our best using the tools that we have, even if they're not such strong tools, to connect. So, let me share with you what Rabbi Cohen was saying. And of course, I'm embellishing this with my own interpretations. But... Before I say what he said, start off, you know, the Chavetz Chaim Heritage Foundation, every year, Tisha B'Av, they come out with their famous video with different shiurim on different topics. This year, the topic was how a person can go through challenges and overcome them and, and, and immerse from them, emerge from them strengthened. And it wasn't really so much in the format of a shir, it was more like a question and answer. And one of the people that they interviewed was Ravetan Feiner, a well-known Ravi is the Rav of the White Shul in Farakaway. And he tells his story. They also interview his wife. So between the two of them, here's the story that came out. They got married uh, about 30 years ago, a little bit less. Oh, Shalom Alechem Zish. Yeah. They got married about 30 years ago. Uh, for the first few years, they didn't have any kids. After three years, they moved to Eretz Yisrael. And Rabbi Feiner taught in Asian Torah. And he said for the next 12 years, they had unexplained infertility. They didn't have kids, and the doctors couldn't figure out what the reason for it was. But it was just a metzias. Baruch Hashem, after many tefillahs and, you know, brachas and whatnot, uh, his wife became pregnant after 12 years. She gives birth to the baby, and afterwards, like, oh, immediately after the birth, they said, the doctors and the nurses said, you know, there's something wrong, even though the delivery went fine and he was delivered fine and he, he had a good APGAR score. But they said, there's something wrong here. We have to check it out. But don't worry, don't panic. And the nurse said to her, you know, here in the hospital, you know, we don't have such a good NICU. 
as long as they don't transfer him to Adasa Haratzofim, where there's like the very high, uh, high risk NICU, then that means that things are manageable. Well, sure enough, says Rebetzin Feiner, a few minutes later, they said, okay, the situation is very bad. We have to transfer him to that Hadassah Haratzofim. The high risk NICU, what happened? There was some genetic mutation in this child's body. The amino acids, which are uh, uh, proteins that have to go to the brain, they weren't working. So whatever oxygen and, and uh, proteins that the brain had to get during those first few hours, it didn't come. And as a result, the child, even though Baruch Hashem, they were able to stabilize him and he survived, he became very severely, severely and permanently disabled both mentally and also physically and as they describe uh, besides the brain damage in which you know his comprehension is very limited and he can't talk he also can't eat so he has to use a g-tube a feeding tube he also can't breathe on his own he has a trach and really he needs uh, full-time 24-hour care around the clock and everybody finally says they named him Avram Yishai after the Chazanish Today he's uh, 16 years old. I happen to know Shia Feiner because he was in the school that I worked in. Very, very sweet child. Very lovable child. He has a very, very precious smile on his face. But unfortunately, severely, severely handicapped. And they never ended up having any other kids. They never had any other kids. He's the only child that they have. So Rabbi Feiner is talking about how him and his wife were able to, and are able to really, because... You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a constant struggle. Able to get through this such terrible, difficult Nisayim. He said, he heard a beautiful vart from Ribbetson Kamenetsky, Rabbi Shmuel's wife, and she said that's something that, he said that's something that gives him tremendous chizuk till today. Pasuk says, Hashlech al Hashem Yehovcha, Vuyichal Kilecha. Pasuk says, you throw your load onto the Rebbein Shalaylam, and he's going to take care of you. So, says Ribbetson Kamenetsky, when you throw a package to someone, what you're doing is basically... You're relinquishing your control over it. I'm throwing it to you. Now it's no longer in my domain. I can no longer control it. Now it's you. Says the Pasuk, take your baggage. Take your nisyoyinus, take your troubles. Throw it on the Rebbeinu Shalom. Let go completely. And you say, Rebbeinu Shalom, now it's totally in your hands. And says Rebbe Feiner, this is something that keeps him going till this very day. It's a difficult nisyoyin. He throws it on the Rivaina Shalom. You know what, Rivaina Shalom? This is your tackle, not mine, and you take care of it. So, this is the story that they said over on that video. Says Rabbi Kohn. Tomorrow morning, Rabbi Hashem, we're going to start saying, in addition to hearing the Shaifer, Ladavid Hashem, Ayurviyishi. That's Kapitul Chav Zayn and Tehillim. Now, let's listen to this the words of David Amalekh. Ladavid Hashem, Ayurviyishi. The Rivaina Shalom is my light. And he's my salvation. Mimi ira. Who am I going to be afraid of? Hashem mo is chayai. You know what my strength is? The thing in my life that's keeping me going? It's Hashem. Mimi yevchad. Who am I going to fear? The enemies, they're trying to attack me. They're literally trying to devour me. And he continues. You can have a whole camp coming against me. I am not feared. I'm trusting you. So here we see that there's another approach to these days. 
that it doesn't have to be tittering like the fish in the sea, but instead, we say, you know, during these days of closeness and of connection, of what I'm going to try to do is increase my connection and my bitachin in you. I want to come close. I know, though, that I'm not going to be a big tzaddik. You know what I mean? I know that I'm not going to turn my life around. I'm not. And that's a mitzvah. So you know what I'm doing? I'm putting my trust in you. I'm going to try my best. You know, I'm going to do a few good things. You know, maybe it's to learn a little bit better, to daven maybe a little bit extra with an extra kavana. Small things that, you know, regular people can do that it's not too hard. One or two things. The rest is in your hands. And he quotes Rabbi Kohn from the Chavetz Chaim. The pasuk that we say by Shabbos Shachris, Hine ein Hashem el Yerev, l'miachlem l'chazdei. So says the Chavetz Chaim. If you look at this pasuk, really you have to put a comma. Hine ein Hashem el Yerev. The Rebbeinu Shalaylam's eyes are at the Yerev. Comma. Also, you know who Hashem is concerned about? L'miachlem l'chazdei. Those that put their bitachon in the Rebbeinu Shalaylam and they yearn for His Chesed, He looks out for them as well. That the Rebbeinu Shalayim is going to save you. You know why? Not because you're a great tzaddik. You're not. You're a regular person. But you have bitochen. You trust in me? The Rebbeinu Shalayim says, Okay, I'm going to take care of you. And we have this Eitzah of working on our bitochen during this time. And then, we have almost this guarantee from David HaMelech. And we say, By the David Hashem, Ayri, the Rebbeinu Shalom is going to take care of us for the upcoming Yom Adin, even if we're not tittering, as we said, like the fish in the sea. Now what does it mean to have bitachon on the Rebbeinu Shalom? So the Chayvah Salavavis has a whole shah on it. It's kidai to learn it. And it's something that happens to be that I'm learning now a little bit with, the, with a friend of mine, Shah Bitochen, to understand that the Rebbeinu Shalom knows everything, to understand that the Rebbeinu Shalom can do everything, and he does everything, and he controls everything. And really, there's no other force in the world besides him. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, everything is controlled by him. And it also means to understand, to realize that, you know, Hashem, you know, we're all here today. That means that the Rebbeinu Shalom has been taking care of us, literally, from before we were even born. We were still in the womb. The Rebbeinu Shalom was taking care of us. And he has been taking care of us. Every single day since then, and every single moment of the day. And the Rebbeinu Shalom is an Avarachman, who loves us. Okay, so now if this is the Mitzvah, this is the reality, then what am I scared about? He took care of me up until now. He's going to continue to take care of me. I have nothing to worry about. And David HaMelech continues, If not for my belief in the Rebbeinu Shalom, then I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have life. I wouldn't be alive. That's all we need. Have bitachin and the Rebbeinu Shalom. Trust in Him. Of course, do our best. You know, try small things to connect to Him. And then we say, Rebbeinu Shalom, it's in your hands. And as we said, from a refiner, we're throwing this on you, Rebbeinu Shalom. You're in charge. And then, we don't have to shut down. We don't have to close our eyes and pretend that Elul doesn't exist. We don't have to pretend and wait for the Yom Nuram to pass by. Other Abba, we can enjoy this period of connection, of closeness to the Rebbeinu Shalaylam, of, as the Sfarim tell us, the Rebbeinu Shalaylam is coming close to us, and we try, as we try to come close to Him. But it's all positive, it's all good, it's Kishmak. Nothing to worry about.
And of course, as we said, with recognizing that, you know, small things that every single person can do, we should try to do every single person based on his own level, wherever he's holding, and for everybody, it's different. No two people are the same. You know, if it means trying a little bit to be more makhbit, let's say, on Shmir HaSaloshim, you know, being careful what we say, how we say it, or how we speak to people, it's a wonderful thing. Or if it means, as we said, you know, trying to make sure that every, not a day goes by where we don't learn a little bit, even if it's just for a few minutes, that's a wonderful thing. If it means, let's say, by Shmon trying to have Kavana by one bracha, also, these are small things, but they're very, very big in the eyes of the Rebbeinah Shalom. And when we do that, we can surely say, okay, Rebbeinah Shalom, the rest is up to you, and I'm putting my trust in you. So, Memela, we have here a wonderful source of a new approach to these days, an approach where we can go through this month, the Mitzvah Shem, connecting to the Rebbeinah Shalom, without being overwhelmed, without being too scared, and Adarabba, turning this into a wonderful experience, and that is exactly what the Rebbeinah Shalom wants from us during this time. He's waiting for us to come close to him, as we said, with the story with the king. He's talking to us, and all we have to do is do our little part. And of course, remember what we say by the David Hashem Eiri. Rebbeinah Shalom, I'm putting my trust in you. I have nothing to fear about. I just want to conclude with a beautiful story that really highlights this point. The famous criminal defense attorney, Ben Brafman, he writes an article every week in the Ami magazine. You know, discussing he's been practicing for maybe 40 years already and, uh, you know, many high-profile cases. And he's had a lot of success in his field over the decades. So he's writing different stories and anecdotes and, and, and um, really different uh, advice to people, you know, on what he's seen through his years as an attorney is something that he's still doing till this day. He said, you know, in any trial, so you have the stage where the, um, you know, you go through the evidence, you know, the judge looks at the evidence and they, you know, the lawyers for the defense, they present their case, you know, how they view things. And the prosecution, they present their case, that they view things. Okay, and then, you know, the trial proceeds. And then there's a date set for the sentencing. Whatever the case is, when the judge makes his final decision. So says Mr. Brofman, for the sentencing, you have to prepare in a very special way. One of the things that he does is that he gets the uh, person, the defendant, to, to get letters from people that know him. Letters who people that know him who testify about his integrity. You know, so for example, let's say someone, he, uh, he gets arrested, let's say, for uh, DUI. You know, he, he's drunk driving. And he's, he's facing a sentence in jail. But if there's a letter, let's say, from, you know, his family, you know, that, you know, this is a family man, this is our father, this is our, my husband, you know, and he's a responsible person, you know, and, and, you know, if you put him in jail for too long, you know, you're going to destroy our life. So the judge, he reconsiders. You know, and the more letters there are, more people who can testify to the integrity of this person. Say, you know, Betsam, he's a mensch. He's a good person, but, you know, he stumbled. So the more chances are that the sentencing is going to be more lenient. Anyway, there's a young kid. He's arrested for drug possession. Now, I'm assuming, you know, it was something more severe than just, uh, you know, the small drugs that today everyone's smoking in the street, unfortunately. Well, it's probably some hard drugs. Maybe he was selling it. I don't know the story. But says Mr. Braffman, he was facing up to six years in prison. He's a young kid. 
So they, get, they went through the trial, and they're approaching sentencing. So Mr. Braffin does what he does each time. He says, please, get me some letters from your family, from your friends, people who know you, that they can testify about you. Says the kid, I don't know anybody. You don't know anybody? I guess he, he lived by himself. You know, he was um, disconnected from his family. He didn't have any friends. And so he says to him, there's nobody that can give you a letter? He says, oh yeah, there is. My dentist. Sometime later, the kid gives him a letter from the dentist. And here's what the letter says. Dear Mr. Brafman, Jimmy always comes on time to his dental appointments. That's all the man had to say. Nothing else. So says Mr. Brafman, you know, what in the world is he going to do with this one letter? One letter, and really all it says is that he comes on time. And then he had an idea. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this, you know, really heartbreaking situation, and I'm going to use that as the defense. And he says to the judge when the sentencing comes, he says, look, Your Honor, look at this. Look at this boy. He has nobody in the world. Nobody. There's no family. There's no friends. What do you think? You're going to take a guy like this and throw him in jail? Have, have mercy. Have pity on him for six years. And says Mr. Braffman, it worked. It worked, and he gave him a lenient sentence. When he turned to the judge, and he said, you know, I have nothing. It's just you, you know, it's really in your hands. That is a cause for Rachmanus. And that taka is the aside for these days for El Taka, the should help that we should not utilize these days to come close to the Rebbeinu Shalaylam in our own little way, to connect to him, to throw our trust in him, and through that Amitzah Shem, he's going to bench all of us. First of all, with the wonderful El, El of connection, and Amitzah Shem, with the good Kibbenz Tiyar, Ksiva Chasimah for us, for Mishpachas, and for all of Kuala Yisrael.